today is one of those days um, as a pastor that I look forward to because this morning we as a body get to celebrate the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that his atoning work on the cross is sufficient for all of our sins, that he has provided a way to new life, to a life that's abundant and full, a life that is led by and governed through his spirit. It's a beautiful day for the gospel, and you'll hear it in the words of four people who are being baptized this morning. Their words of how Jesus, through the grace of God, impacted their lives. And then you'll get to see it. You'll get to see that story played out in that they were once like this, separate from God. And then through the grace of God and the works of Jesus Christ, they were made new. And you'll witness that as they are buried and raised to new life in believer baptism. We're not witnessing salvation this morning. That's already occurred. When each of these four people put their trust and their hope in Jesus Christ, they were saved by their confession of faith. What we're seeing today is something that we should celebrate. It's something that should excite us because we're seeing the public proclamation of that faith. The public testimony of who Jesus is in their lives. So it's okay to clap, to cheer, to whelp and whoop and hoop and swoop. It's okay to do all that because this is a day worth celebrating. Kaylee Brace, you will get to hear her testimony first. She will be baptized by Jessica Bishop. My desire to feel valued and cared for and heard was met by every person in my life except for Jesus. The result of this was me having the head knowledge of what it means to be a Christian without feeling any of the heart knowledge of what a genuine relationship with the Lord brings. It was my freshman year in college that brought new challenges and disappointments I had never felt before that ultimately left me desperate for a relationship that would never fail me. I found myself in my dorm room one night pleading with the Lord in prayer to heal my broken heart. During that season was the first time I can truly say I began to understand the goodness of the gospel and it was then that I chose to live a life in response to what God had done for me. Christ dying on the cross so that I could experience a lasting relationship with my Lord gained new meaning. Since that time, it has been so fulfilling to allow the Lord to work in my life and have the opportunity to grow in my Christian walk. Throughout the past five years, I have experienced both success and failure, but the one thing I know remains is my joy in the redemption I have found in Christ. Kaylee, do you believe and confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? I do. And it is my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Next, you'll have the privilege of hearing the testimony of Alden Phillips, and she will be baptized by Hannah Brown. I grew up in a relatively Christian home. I was always taught to love God and that there was a God. I spent the majority of my childhood in Christian school, so I knew all the right answers to the Bible trivia and can beat anyone. <laughs> <laughs> as I got older, my connection with the Lord began to disappear. I viewed God as more of a helpline rather than a relationship. I did not know who I was in Christ, so I spent my days struggling to achieve perfection so that I could feel value. I tried everything to fill my void, from relationships to going to extreme measures to be beautiful. I spent years doing this, but the void in my heart only grew. 
I was stubborn, so I still didn't think I needed God's help. I was my own master. My senior year of high school, my perfect world shattered. All that I put my hope in had failed. The day my dad walked out of my family was the day I had nothing left. The only thing I could do was turn to God. I put my full trust into Christ that day because I realized I couldn't handle it on my own. I finally allowed God to be my strength, and I was no longer my own master. I met different women and began to grasp the true meaning of the gospel. As I began to grow in Christ, I learned that a relationship with him is easy and it's so freeing. I don't have to prove my worth to God because he saw me as priceless. He came to the earth to be beaten, broken, and hang on a cross to show that I don't have to pay my own price. This overwhelms me daily, that someone could love me that much. Not only did Jesus come to save me, but he held his promise that he would rise three days later, the first promise in my life that hasn't been broken. Since putting my trust into Christ, I've been set free. I no longer live a slave to perfection because my hope is found in my Savior. I will never be perfect, but I am a child of the living God, and that makes me valuable. He hung on the cross knowing I'd never be perfect, but never once tried to come down from it. He saved me, forgave me, and my life is forever changed. <laughs> I did indeed believe and confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. It is my privilege and my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And our final person this morning is Chris Anschutz, and I get the privilege of baptizing him. So Chris, come on out, man. Good morning. As he said, my name is Chris. I'm here to proclaim God the Father is my Savior. I've prepared a testimony to share with you on how the Lord has brought me here today. I was raised Catholic, baptized as an infant, and attended a Catholic school, partook in the sacrament of confirmation. My mother and father provided me a strong foundation in Christ in all its glory. Regrettably, around the age of 18, I began to dance with the devil and was seduced by his sinful temptation. I lost my way and have been living in darkness and sin. I was uncommitted to God as a Christian. I prayed to him when I remembered to or when I needed something. I devoted no time to give him thanks and praise as he so deserves. Despite all my years of debauchery, God has never forsaken me. He made it clear he was always present. See, our Lord has patience. Our Lord's patience is unending and his love is unwavering. I've always had faith but failed to live as a Christian and chose instead to live in sin. But recently, during my membership meeting here with Todd, God undeniably was speaking to me. His presence that day was overwhelming. His message was clear. He wanted me to hear today to testify to his glory, to be baptized. So today I choose to step out of the shadows and into the light. I'm here to profess that God is the Father Savior, my sins have been washed away, that my debt has been paid through the crucifixion and death of his son Jesus, who he willingly sacrificed, so that he may one day be granted the eternal life in heaven. I know without God's grace, I would be damned to hell. I choose to commit to live as a Christian, to live and to serve the Lord, to praise and worship him in all his glory. Chris, man, do you believe and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? I do. Because of that wonderful confession of faith, it's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
I'd like to introduce you to Abby Bond. Abby is going to be baptized by Jared Epling. Hi, my name is Abby Bond. Describing how much Christ has changed my life is impossible, but here is a little description. Before I knew Christ, I was lost. Before I knew Christ, every bad situation was a bad situation. I never made any good out of them. Before I knew Christ, I thought I was alone. Before I knew Christ, I didn't appreciate anything I had, nor did I pray for those who had less than I had. Before I knew Christ, I had no faith. Once I got saved, my life changed so much. Hard times became easy, and God was with me through every storm I have endured. People I had before, I learned to love them unconditionally. I believe as a gift of my salvation, God blessed me with a beautiful life. I'm not afraid of any storm because I know that the Lord will always keep me above it. God will take me, an ordinary person, and teach me to do extraordinary things. I want to live a life that leads. I want people to see God is working through me to lead. This church has changed my life. This church taught me many different things in scripture that has affected my life in the best way. Since accepting Christ, God has made it to where the words that come out of my mouth benefit the person that's listening. Before I knew Christ, all I had was a religion. After I accepted Christ, I now have a relationship with my creator and the creator of everything. My future is in God's hands, which is why I do not worry about the obstacles that come into my life. I know God has my life and my situation, and I have learned to be faithful and to give him my worries. I'm proud to proclaim my faith. God has changed my life to where he can live through me. I want to help people. I want to be a part of God's plan to change the world. Accepting Christ was the greatest decision I've ever made. Living as a servant of Christ has changed my life. I'm proud to proclaim with this baptism that I am a Christian, and I'm so thankful that God takes me in as his child and he accepts me for who I am. I'm so blessed that Jesus died on the cross for my sins before I even knew his name, and I want the whole world to know that I am his. Abby, do you believe and confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Yes. And it is my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let me introduce you to Frank Harrington, who will be baptized by Andrew Dawkins. Hello, my name is Frank Harrington. My life before Christ was one with filled with stubbornness and non-belief. Although I was baptized as a baby, I never had the want to or the fortitude of ever really truly learning about Christ. My life before Christ was a time of being lost and feeling of no direction. Even though I was never a bad kid, I still made my fair share of mistakes. My true introduction of Christ came through my wife, and I gave her all the credit in helping me find the God's word. She has helped me make me stronger and given me the direction of my life. <clears throat> my introducing of, ah, excuse me, I'm sorry. My introducing me to Christ and his teachings. Through these teachings, I have found a true purpose in life, and I know I will never be lost and allow him to lead the way. Although I still struggle at times, I make mistakes on a daily basis. I strive to be in his likeness. I know Christ will protect me and lead me through through all and any of all obstacles that lie before me. And as I give my life to Jesus, I know I'll be saved through his grace and my life will forever be changed. Amen. Frank, do you believe and confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? I do. And it's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Let me introduce you to Frank's wife, Jennifer Harrington, and she too will be baptized by her brother, Andrew Dawkins. My name is Jennifer Harrington. My life before Christ wasn't one necessarily filled with debauchery, rampant sin, or horrible regretful times. I have always tried to live the life of morals and values taught by Christ. However, because I didn't truly know Christ, my life was quite empty. It wasn't until late 2011 when I truly came to know Jesus. The unexpected loss of my dad left me depressed, heartbroken, and overall lost. It was upon going through his belongings after his passing that I found his Bible. Hmm. He had bookmarked a certain page with a childhood photo of me and highlighted the scripture, Ecclesiastes 3. I was immediately drawn to the verse, to verse 4 that reads, A time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. The scripture spoke so loudly to me that I immediately understood what I was to do. I took this as God and even my dad would not want me to grieve my life away, but rather to live my life fully and abundantly. It was at that moment in 2011 that I decided that Jesus was not going to only be a Sunday event for me anymore, but rather the center of my daily life and who mm -hmm. I live for. Scripture comforted me in my grief and reassured me that Christ died so that I could live. And that is what my dad would have wanted for me also, to live. Since turning to a life in Christ, I am more at peace within my spirit. I have attained a constant thirst and a hunger for the word of God and continue to diligently seek knowledge within the pages of the Bible. I have found a true source of comfort in Jesus and scripture and now turn to him instead of my fellow man for support, help, guidance, and healing. Christ has been my salvation through depression, hurt, and anger, and has even turned my brokenness into wholeness. Mm -hmm. I now lead online Bible studies and write faith-based blogs in hope of helping others come to Christ. Turning to a life in Jesus has opened a new world of doors for me that have meaning and purpose, and for that I am forever thankful and humbled. Although I still have struggles and can still find myself feeling lost at times, I rest in the fact that I am forgiven and motivated all the more to run to Jesus because of his unwavering love and grace for me. Amen. <clears throat> Jennifer, do you believe and confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I do. And it is my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, that's cool. That's so cool. Um, last but not least, Nick Stowers, who will be baptized by Kara Merce. Hello. Uh, my name is Nick Stowers, and I'm from Enid, Oklahoma. And I grew up in a Christian home, going to church on Sunday, just like everybody else. But I never really knew what it meant to be a Christian. I just claimed I was. When I was in the sixth grade, I started going to confirmation classes at my church. And over the next three years, I got a little taste of what it meant to be a Christian. I was confirmed as a member of my church when I was 14. And that was when I first placed my trust in Jesus Christ. I didn't fully comprehend what it meant to be a follower of Christ, though. And a few months after that, my family stopped going to church as much. And my faith kind of tailed off. I became more worried about high school uh, sports and my friends and never really thought about my faith. It wasn't until my senior year that something changed. I started dating my girlfriend, Kara Merge, and some of the conversations we had made me realize I needed to change some things. I looked at her relationship with God and it made me want what she had. I started, the read I started reading the Bible because I claimed Christianity but didn't know the majority of the information in it. 
She also made me realize that I had a totally skewed view of what it meant to be a Christian. I thought if you went to church and were a good person, you were automatically a good Christian. Once I realized my views were wrong and my life was lacking, I knew I needed to make a change. I came to college looking for an avenue to grow my faith, and I found it in a place I didn't expect. I had always believed in Jesus Christ and said that he was my savior, but it was through some great guys that I met in my fraternity that I finally comprehended the true sacrifices that he made for us to connect us back to God. I finally realized the true power of what he did on the cross for sinners like you and me, and it changed my whole outlook on life and it has helped me so much over the past two years. I no longer worry about little things in my life because I know that God will provide for me and I can find my true happiness in Jesus Christ. It has given me peace and happiness that I could not find anywhere else. And now I'm here. Nick, do you believe and confess Jesus Christ <laughs> your Lord and Savior? I do. It is my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Love it. Love it. Church, I want to pray uh, for these four amazing individuals. I want to uh, ask you to just lift up your voice to God on their behalf. Uh, something that you have been a part of, whether you know them or not, is their public confession of faith that Jesus Christ is their Lord. May that be an encouragement to you. May that make you look at your own life and your own devotion to the Lord. Most importantly, may it bring honor and glory to the name that is above all names. So let's cover them in prayer then as one body, if you will. Father, thank you uh, for each individual that has testified to your grace, to your goodness, to the working of your Son, Jesus Christ, in their life. We pray, Father, for your hand of protection upon them. We pray, Father, that you would move and work in their lives in ways that they could never imagine that you would give them grace sufficient to be faithful and obedient followers of you and your word. God, may they see that storms will come, but that you are the one who conquers all, that you are the one who will guide them and lead them, that you are their true joy and their true strength, and that in you they will be the most satisfied when you are the most glorified. God, may that be the echo and sentiment of their heart. We pray it for them as one body in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And the church says, Amen. At, at Summit, there's this interesting uh, reality, I guess is, is a good word for it, that for some reason the Lord has blessed us with a lot of young people, a lot of college students, 18 to 24 years of age, um, we, we have more of them than I think most churches probably our size. Um, it presents a unique opportunity, and the idea came very early in our existence as a church that we are not going to have these college students for 25 years. It's just, that's not the reality. They're going to be here for one, two, three, four, five, maybe six years, you know, just whatever. We got some, we got some professionals. Um, but they're going to be here for a period of time, and then, and then they're going to go. They're going to go somewhere else. So we realized that we have to be obedient to what God has called this church to be, and that is a church that equips and sends. 
And a lot of churches have that mentality. We will equip our people and send them out into the world. That is pretty much what we're called to do. All churches, all Christians. But for us, it takes on this kind of heartache because we're not just sending them out into this community. We're sending them all over the world. I can prove it. If this summer you will spend more than three weeks in another country, raise your hand. If this summer you will spend more than three weeks in a state other than Oklahoma, raise your hand. That's redunculous. I mean, th- think about that. Think about that, what you just saw. This is the early service. <laughs> and over half of our room just said, yeah, I'm not going to be here this summer. So what are you going to do? Well, I mean, some of them are going to go work. Some are going to go play. Some are going to go serve. But whatever you're going to do, it's my prayer that we as a church have equipped you to send you to go make disciples for the glory of God. That's my heart. That's my prayer. That wherever you go, wherever the Lord may take you, and whatever you're going to do, that you would go and make disciples for the glory of God. So the vision that this church has to do just that, it really does expand far beyond the Newcastle, Norman, South Oklahoma City area. You just saw that. And today is one of those kind of hard days, kind of good days, where we acknowledge that there is a group who are graduating, and who are leaving for good. But, guys, it's my heart, and it's my prayer, and it's my hope that you go equipped. Because you are young enough and just crazy enough to still believe that you can change the world. And I think you can. Because Jesus called us to do just that. So I, I just want to pray as we dive into a passage this morning. We're just going to look at one verse. That's kind of odd for us. We're just going to look at one verse. But I want to pray, look at one verse, and then I want to send out those, those few who this is probably their last day with us. But we send them out in the Lord to go do his work in the corners of the earth. So Father, today is a day that we rejoice in you in the fact that you've called us as believers to make disciples for your glory. So as a church, we have adopted that as our purpose, as our mission, that's our vision and our desire to make disciples for your glory. And I just pray, Father, that today as we look at what it means to abide in your will, to follow and be obedient to your will, God, that you would just speak to our hearts, that you would open our ears to hear your truth, that our minds would not be uh, clouded or diluted by a preconceived notion of what that means, but that you would speak with your Holy Spirit to us in a way to give us great clarity and great insight into your truth. God, do just that for your glory. We ask that you would in the name of your son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. One verse, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. After that has occurred, this is huge, try to get these out of order sometimes, but after that has occurred, then, then and only then, 
you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, his pleasing, and his perfect will for your life. One of the jobs that I love, one of the roles that I have as the pastor of this church is helping anyone try to discern the will of God for their life. doesn't matter your age. I think most of us wrestle with that. What does God want from me? What am I supposed to do with my gifts and my talents and my desires and my passions? What does that look like? How am I supposed to play that out? What geographic location is that best lived out in? Where, where do I need to serve within this local body? Who do I need to date and marry so that I can best? I, there's so many questions, so many people wrestle with it. This idea of God's will and us wanting to know it, it's probably a good chunk of what I do is try to counsel and discern the will of God for people. And we have a passage here that says, by the transforming and renewing of our minds, we will be able to not only know, but we can test and approve what God's will is. That's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful promise. One of which that I believe most of you go, I just haven't seen it. I just haven't seen that played out in my life. I I know that God's good, and I know that he's got a plan but I'll be honest, I don't, just, I don't feel like I can test and approve God's good, pleasing, perfect will. I don't feel like I'm capable of doing that. So what, what's the problem? Well, I want to address what I think could be the problem. And it's a false expectation. Because the will of God is actually twofold. The will of God is twofold. We need to understand that first. There are two parts to God's will. The first part of God's will is God's sovereign will. God's sovereign will. Will. God's sovereign governance of all that comes to pass. Ephesians 1 verse 11 says that in him, the him is Christ, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. The will of God is God's sovereign governance of all that comes to pass. His sovereign will will happen regardless of what we do. And and we want a God that that has that ability. That regardless of what I choose to do, His will will come to pass. His sovereign governance of the universe will happen regardless of what I do or don't do. This, however, is the will of God that we all think we need to know. We want to know the sovereign will of God. The part that's going to happen no matter what. The part that knows what will take place five years from now, ten years from now, twenty years from now. The part that has every aspect, every minute, every day of your life completely lined out, structured out. And we're just like, if you could just give me that book, Jesus, I'll read it cover to cover. I I will meditate upon it. I will put it in my heart. I will look at you and trust that you know what you're doing and you just give give me the playbook. We want to know the sovereign will of God. We want to know these things because we think it'd be fun to know these things, right? If I knew everything that was going to happen in my life, that'd be kind of fun. We want to know these things because we think it would make life easier. I would argue that we're wrong about that, but we think it would. If, if we just knew everything that was going to happen, we'd probably think decision-making would be a little bit easier. We also want to know all these things because it removes the need for faith. If you know what's going to happen, there's no need for faith. 
And we also, if you really check your heart, you want to know this because you want to be God. But here's the problem, church. We make horrible gods. He knows that. He knows that we are terrible at being God. So even though we look at God who knows his sovereign will, who could give us the entire playbook, he refrains from doing so, and we almost think that's rude. Hey, if you know, let me in. Let me in on this. But he chooses not to because he desires for us to have faith. And he knows that we make terrible gods. So it's actually an act of love that he doesn't reveal to us his full sovereign will. But it's hard for us to swallow that because that's what we want to know. But one of the misconceived notions that I want to eliminate today is the idea that when we just ask God to tell us his sovereign will that he's just immediately going to do that there's a lot of times where God's going to go I just need you to live today and I need you to believe that I got this and if you're dead set on knowing what's going to happen two years from now I'm sorry it's for the best that I don't tell you that so we, ju- we just need to embrace that, as hard as it may be to swallow. It's not rude, it's, it's loving. Because there is the second part of God's will. That's God's commanded will. His commanded will. What God commands all of us to do. It's also referred to as His revealed will. The part of His will for our lives that He shows us, that He reveals to us. The commanded will of God or His revealed will will is the desire of God for our lives that we can choose to obey or deny. His commanded will, you have the choice of doing it or not doing it. He tells us what he wants us to do, and we get to choose. Now, it never interferes with his sovereign will, and I'm still not sure how that works. Just be honest. Don't know how we get some choice in this. and how I, He's God. He's bigger than me. If, uh, he can figure it out. But his commanded will, we do have the choice to obey or deny it. His commanded will is played out in our lives in three stages. Okay, And we need to understand all three stages in order to fulfill his commanded will. Stage one of his commanded will is the word. That's the starting point for understanding his commanded will. God's will of command is revealed only in the Bible. We need the renewed mind that the Holy Spirit gives us to understand and embrace what God commands us in Scriptures. Without the renewed mind, we will distort the Scriptures to avoid their radical commands for self-denial, for love, for purity, and for supreme satisfaction that comes only in Christ alone. We will distort what the commanded will of God is in Scripture to make it fit our pretext. We'll do it all the time. We will take a scripture and go, culturally that just doesn't apply because I don't like it. Yet it's still the revealed and commanded will of God. And we need the Holy Spirit to transform our minds in order for us to just pallet the truth that is commanded in the scriptures. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 
says that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Scripture equips you for what? Every good work. So I can read the Bible and know everything I'm supposed to do. No. But within the pages of Scripture is revealed the commanded will of God for every good work that he will call us to do. So church, we need to devote a lot of time and energy to meditating on the written word of God. We need to put it in our hearts. We need to know it. If you're struggling with fulfilling the will of God in your life, you're struggling with knowing the will of God in your life, he told you a big chunk of it. Big chunk. And the excuse that it just doesn't make sense to me is not an excuse because you have a body of believers to walk through Scripture together with, to help unpack it. You're never meant to read this alone. But you've got to read it. You've got to put it in. Because that's the first stage of understanding God's revealed will or his commanded will. The second stage, stage two, is the application of biblical truth. The second stage of God's will of command is our application of the biblical truth to the areas of our life that the Bible does not specifically address. For instance, the Bible does not tell you which person to marry. It does not tell you which car to drive. It does not tell you whether or not to own a home, where to take your vacation, what cell phone plan to buy. Thousands of other choices that you make every day are not directly explained in here. Yet God still has a commanded will for this. So what is necessary for us to apply biblical truth? We need to have that renewed mind that is shaped and so governed by the revealed will of God in the Bible that we can see and assess all relevant factors with the mind of Christ and discern what God is calling us to do. Discernment that comes through knowing the Scriptures to where you may not know to marry Hannah, but you know the kind of woman that God has called you to marry because it's revealed in Scripture. And then you get to discern if Hannah is or is not that woman. Does that make sense? It, I don't know that we want God to tell us, marry Hannah. I don't know, I don't know that we want that because you're just like, well, I want to pick. We know what kind of woman. Hannah is or Hannah isn't. I'm sorry if you're a Hannah in here. That's just awkward. But um, insert your name. It's like whatever. Um, this idea, though, is very different than when we try to constantly hear God's voice. We, we want God's voice to tell us to do this or, or do that. Go to this school, go, take this job, go to this state, Marry this person. We want to hear God's voice in that. And, and a lot of times we'll even ask God, am I supposed to do it or am I not? We, we keep going. People try to lead their lives by hearing the voices of God or the voice of God. They're not in sync with Romans 12.2. They're not in sync with it because Romans 12.2 says that we're going to transform our mind and by this renewed mind, we're going to be able to just know the will of God. We don't have to pray all the time to, to hear God. What should our prayer be instead? Our prayer should be for a renewed mind that can appropriately discern and apply God's word. That should be your prayer. You need to write that down. 
Your prayer should be for a renewed mind that can appropriately discern and apply God's word versus constantly asking God to tell you what to do. I'm telling you, this is a different way of thinking about it. But I think it's accurate. God's aim is a new mind, a new way of thinking, of judging, not just new information. If he just gave you the answer to the test, you'd never learn. Do you get it? If he wants you to know how to live and how to discern and how to be obedient to his will in all that you do, if he has to give you the answer every single time, that's not helping you learn how to follow his will. That's cheating. So pray instead for the renewed mind. His aim is that we would be transformed, sanctified, and freed by the truth of his revealed word. John 8, verse 32 If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you abide in my word, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So the second part of God's will of command is the discerning application of the scriptures to new situations in your life by means of a renewed mind. And then there's the third stage, which is simply our spontaneous response to life. 95% of your behavior is not premeditated. It's not making decisions. It's not choices. Most of what you do, you just do. Your thoughts, attitudes, actions, they're spontaneous. They're just spillover from what's already inside of you. Jesus talks about that in Matthew 12, 34 and 35. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. The evil person out of evil treasure brings forth evil. This is part of God's commanded will because God commands things like don't be angry, don't be prideful, don't covet, don't be anxious, don't be jealous, don't envy. And none of those actions are premeditated. When's the last time you you just decided, I'm just going to covet? I'm going to wake up today and just do some coveting. You didn't premeditate that. That just happened. Anger, pride, covetousness, anxiety, jealousy, envy, they all just rise up out of the heart with no conscious reflection or intention. And we're guilty when that happens. I didn't mean to! That's a condition of the heart. Our call is to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We need new hearts and new minds. If you make the tree good, the fruit will be good. It's a huge challenge, though. But that's what God calls us to do. You can't do it on your own. You need Jesus Christ who died for your sins. And you need the Holy Spirit to lead you into Christ-exalting truth and work through truth-embracing humility. The truth is you need Jesus. The truth is you need a renewed mind. So as Nick comes back out here, I want you to give yourselves daily to the pursuit of transformation through the Holy Spirit. I beg you, church, to immerse yourselves in the written word of God. Saturate your mind and heart with it. Pray that the spirit of Christ would make you so new that the spillover from your heart would be good, acceptable, and perfect. And when it's good, acceptable, and perfect, guess what it is? It's the will of God. That's the will of God. Stop worrying about tomorrow and live today for the explicit will of God as lined out in Scripture. Pray for God to transform your thinking through His Holy Spirit that you might know His will 
and be obedient to it. That's probably a different way of thinking about it, honestly, isn't it? I really need to know what I'm supposed to do about grad school. So I like what you're saying, Todd, but I need an answer. I still gave you an answer. Ask for a renewed mind. Saturate yourself with Scripture. And you can ask. You can ask God. And sometimes he'll give you a cheat. But you want to know what he did with Abraham? When Abraham needed a little cheat, he said, go east. To do what? I don't know. Just start going. I'll tell you later. I prayed, I prayed and fasted for one week before starting this church because I didn't know what God wanted us to do, Paige and I to do. We were, didn't have a ministry, could do anything. Could go to any place in the world, could go to school, could, could go speak and travel. Could, I, we could have done anything. We sought the Lord for seven days through prayer and fasting. And at the end of it, you know what he told us? You know the explicit, revealed will of God? You know what he said? It's time to lead. Where? How? What? Just lead. That's more confusing than I was when I started. But I know his word. And I know that he is working to renew my mind. And today for you graduates who are going out, Ground yourselves in the Word. Abide in the Holy Spirit. Let Him renew your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, perfect will. Amen. Amen. If you're graduating today, will you stand up? If you're, if you're, just, if you're kind of leaving us, will you stand up if you're in here? If you're around them, will you grab onto them? We just want to send them out covered in the Lord. Look at you. Guys, I'm going to miss you. Oh, suck it up, Todd. Church, will you, will you cover them in prayer with me? Will you please cover them in prayer? Uh, we want them to go in the Lord. Guys, go make disciples for his glory. Wherever he takes you, that is his revealed will for your life, to go make disciples for his glory. Wherever he takes you, that is his revealed will for your life. Father, send them in your grace. Father, protect them with your hand. Father, anoint them with your Holy Spirit. May they abide in your word. And may the truth of it set them free to follow and pursue you wherever you may lead them, to obediently and humbly align themselves with your word, to know your truth, to share it openly, to be your hands and feet, to take your gospel to a broken and dying world. May you surround them in a community with believers to encourage them and lift them up to sharpen them and strengthen them in the name of Jesus. May they be your children as you send them out to do your bidding on this earth. May they know your power. May they know your strength. May they go in confidence that you are Lord and they are not. May you be their shepherd as you guide them into pastures that only you know. And may they trust in you alone, God. May they trust in you alone. 
May they no longer conform to the patterns of this world, but let them be transformed by the renewing of their mind so that they might test and approve what your will is, God, your good, pleasing, perfect will for each of them. May they know it and live in faithful obedience to it. Send them with the grace sufficient that they may do just that. We love you, Lord. We thank you for our time with them. I pray they are equipped to go and do whatever you call them to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Church, our, our prayer team is going to be up here, and I know that I threw a grenade out, and, and I kind of bombed some of your expectations today about the will of God, but um, we're going to have pastors and prayer team people up here to pray with you, and as you're navigating life, don't think that what I did today was to stop you from trying to discern the will of God. I just pray I gave it some clarity. I just pray you get some clarity, but if you want someone to pray for you, if you're, if you're leaving and you want to just... Lay your plans before the Lord and we can pray over them. If you're not, if you're struggling in any way, sickness, disease, financially, emotionally, spiritually, if, if you're broken, and we all are, it's okay, but you can't stay that way. You need Jesus. So I, I would just invite you to come and let one of our prayer team people or our pastors just pray with you and for you. Let's do that right now as we stand and worship our God who does send us and give us all that we need. Let's give Him glory and exalt Him because our joy is to make His value known. That's what worship is. To make the value of Jesus Christ known through our words and our actions and our hearts. So let's do that right now in the name of Jesus as we respond to Him.